Good morning. It's so good to be with you. Uh, as, as you just heard, I'm in an interesting time in my life. I've been a pastor for 17 plus years, and two years ago, I stepped down from being a pastor to go to school. And um, so I'm kind of going backwards, as he described. After that, I'm going to go to high school and then elementary school and uh, just complete the, the cycle, I guess. But uh, it's been so good for me to take a break from being the leader and the person that's up front and to be a student. And, um, and I've learned so much in that. And it's interesting. I was thinking about the fact that talking about the local church today, and loving the church, this is the first time that I've given a message about the importance of the church not being a pastor, which is interesting because uh, I've given so many messages. I even wrote a book about the importance of the local church. I've given so many messages calling people to love the church and serve in the church. And now I'm just a member of a church and I realize, whoa, this is a little harder than I thought. You know, showing up and, and serving and getting the kids up when it's not your job and getting everybody to church. And it's given me a new perspective, but I also think it's given me a, a deeper, more mature perspective of what God calls us to. And, and I hope that that will, will come through in the message today. If you have a Bible, would you open to the book of Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 5. One of the things that I've learned is that often when, as leaders, we want to motivate people to care about the church, well, we can be tempted to kind of go into a sales pitch mode. You know, when you, when you, when you want to convince someone to love something, often what you focus on is how lovable that thing is. Love the church. Look at it. It's so nice and soft and cuddly, right? But actually... The most powerful motivation that I've found in my own life for why we should love the church is the fact that Jesus loves the church. And that's what I want us to look at here in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25. Now, before we read this, I, just, I, need, to, I need your help in focusing on, on a particular aspect of this passage, because this is a famous passage on marriage, okay? And so... Um, Here's the deal. All the single guys are going to be thinking about getting married as we read this. All the single ladies are going to be thinking, that's the kind of man I'm looking for. All the married dudes are going to be feeling guilty because we're all falling short. And, and the wives, they might be thinking judgmental thoughts. They might be uh, and all that, <laughs> doing that kind of thing to their husbands. And I need all of you right now to not be distracted by the specifics of marriage, your marriage, whether you want to be married or not, whatever that might be, I want you to focus in on what this passage is showing us about the way Jesus loves the church. That's the thing that I want you to see. So let's read God's word together. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish 
In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So granted, this is a passage about marriage. But Paul makes his point about marriage by teaching us about the way that Jesus relates to his bride, the church. You know, we often talk as Christians about wanting God's heart for different things. I want God's heart for the lost. I want God's heart for the nations. I want God's heart for justice and God's heart for the poor. But do we ever talk about wanting God's heart, Jesus' heart for the church? I want us to look at what it means to love the church like Jesus does. What does it mean to love the church like Jesus does? Four things that I see in this passage. Number one, it means self-sacrifice. Do you want to love the church the way that Jesus loves the church? It means self-sacrifice. Verse 25, look back at the passage. It says that Jesus gave himself up for her. So it's not, it's not starting with the worthiness of the church, how amazing it is, how beautiful it is, how worthy it is. No, the starting point of Jesus' love for the church is a self-sacrificial love. He's giving himself up. He's laying down his life. And so think about what, what Jesus has done to save us and to make us his people. Think about how he's loved us as the church. He, he made himself nothing. Nate started by, by reading that passage from Philippians about how Jesus took the form of a servant. So it's, it's, not just, it's not just the moment of Jesus dying on the cross, which is the most profound expression of his self-sacrifice, but really Christ's whole mission, the incarnation, entering into our humanity, taking the form of a servant, being being. Uh, living a life of poverty, being rejected, being misunderstood, entering into our suffering. He did all this to redeem us for himself. He was falsely accused. He was rejected by his friends. He was beaten. He was crucified. He died. That's the description of what Paul is talking about when he says, he gave himself up for the church. Self-sacrificing love. So it's not a love that says, what have you done for me lately? It's not a love that says, let me see if you're worthy of this. It's a love that says, I'm gonna lay myself down. And this flies in the face well, it flies in the face of how we think in the West and in America, right? Because our posture 
really about so many things is where do I get the best deal? And what can you do for me? And, you know, this other place has this special. Can you match that? Right? I mean, we're just always looking for the best deal, the best quality. What, you know, how, how is the service? You go to a restaurant, you go to a business, whatever it might be. That, our whole culture is built around consumption. That's just who we are. I'm not, I'm not even trying to, to, to talk about that and, and diss that. I'm just saying that's the way we live. That's what everything is built around. So do we just like turn that off when we come into church? No. We come into church with that same consumer mindset and our mindset is, show me what you got, you know? And we, we all, we've all done this as we visited different churches or we've been in a church and we're kind of like, you know what? I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I'm, I've been tithing. Am I really getting that 10%? I mean, am I, how is this lining up here? You know, that the, the singer, the worship leader, he's a little pitchy. You know, I don't know. Kids ministry, is it really, uh, I don't, you know, compared to over here. And it's just like, we've got so many options. And, and we can develop this mindset that is the opposite of self-sacrificing. It's just really all about self-service. How are you meeting my needs? And that's how we view the church as something that we consume, that serves our life, and we move on. It's the exact opposite of the heart of Jesus toward us. His love for the church is a self-sacrificing love. And I think for a lot of us, convenience is the key issue. But if we're gonna love the church like Jesus, we're gonna be called to love and serve in ways that many times it's going to feel like death. How's that for a sales pitch? <laughs> love the church, come die. And yet, isn't that what it means to follow the Savior who, who won us by laying down his life? It's, it's a death to convenience. It's a death, death to self. It's a death to comfort and safety and familiarity. Second thing that I see in this passage, what does it mean to love the church like Jesus loved the church? It means getting dirty. Look at verse 26. Verse 26 states that Jesus died to, to sanctify the church. It's that, that word that describes being set apart, being renewed and cleansed, um, cleansed from our, our guilt and our sin and our shame. And it says, having cleansed by the washing of water with the word. And so there, there are different ways that we can think about Christ's sanctifying work. It's, a, it's this redeeming work in dying for us and we're sanctified. We, we become set apart for him. But then there's also, there's also this ongoing work that he's doing where we're being washed by the word. We're being, we're being cleansed and renewed and changed by his truth. And Paul uses this imagery of, of a bath, essentially, a shower for what, what Christ is doing as he loves his people. The clear implication is that the church is filled with people who are dirty and messy and need to be cleansed. <laughs> and you can't, you can't be around 
dirty people who need to be cleansed without getting some dirt on yourself. It's a messy business. And, and this is just so wonderfully honest. There's no, there's no spin here. There's no fake picture that the church is where all the good, shiny, happy people come to sing and do crafts. And, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like the websites that we do for our churches. Like, everybody just looks so awesome on our websites. You know what I mean? Everyone's so beautiful. And it's like they just all stepped out of a J. Crew catalog. And it's just like they're so happy. And, you know, but if you've been around a church for any period of time, you know that the reality of real people is, is dirty. People have issues. They mess up. They've got problems. They're needy, right? Now, to, to love the church like Jesus means coming with an expectation that there's a lot of dirt and part of being involved in what Jesus is doing is to, is to have other people come alongside you and with the water of God's word help you wash your dirt off and you come alongside others and you help them be cleansed and renewed and it's going to be messy and it's going to be uncomfortable and we don't have our act together and that's why we're all here clinging to Jesus because we need Jesus to save us and renew us. You see how different a mindset that is? Because again, the world, when, 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 the, when, the, when the culture is trying to get people to join their club, join their party, join their whatever, the message that we want to send is, for some reason I'm, I thought of DJ Cali. we the best. I don't, it's, just, it's like we're always trying to say, we got it together, you should come in here, right? We, we you know, we... Uh, we're stronger, we're smarter, we're more impressive, we're more beautiful, whatever it might be, and so come join us. So when you have that kind of mindset for being a part of the church or, or a specific local church, you can come in, and if that's your mindset, what's gonna happen when you encounter the dirt of weak people who mess up and fail and so on? You're gonna be disillusioned, you're gonna be like, what? That's not what the website said. Where, is the, where did it say this on the website? right? You're going to be upset. And yet when you love the church like Jesus loves the church, you walk in with a mindset, of course there's dirt. I've got dirt. I need redemption. I need to be changed. I'm not going to be surprised by that. I'm not going to be annoyed and angry and ticked off. This is what it's all about. It's about people who need to be cleansed, being cleansed by the only one who can truly cleanse us and who's at work in our midst. Now, listen, I'm not... I'm not talking about some sort of self-righteous attitude that comes in and is like, I'm the janitor here. I'm going to clean everybody else up. I'm, I'm talking about a, a humble attitude that says, boy, we all need Jesus. Admitting that we need to be cleansed ourselves. Number three, loving the church like Jesus loves the church means Commitment. Throughout this passage, I mean, the whole analogy of marriage carries with it this theme of commitment and union. Do you, you see that all the way through? Jesus married himself to the church. He commits himself. In the words of Saint Beyonce, he puts a ring on it, right? So look again at verse 28 and following. It says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, 
okay? He's saying the marriage relationship is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. There's this total identification. There's not this separating line like you're over there, that's your stuff, and then I'm over here. Jesus in his love completely identifies with us. We are united with Christ. That's why later in the passage it can talk about how we are members of his body. It's this incredible statement of how much he loves us. That he doesn't, he doesn't just like bring us into some organization that he's the head of. No, he's saying we're one. We're united. Everything that I've accomplished is yours. My righteousness is yours. You belong to me and I belong to you. There's just this total love and ownership. It's an amazing, amazing reality of the gospel. But what does that speak of? It speaks of commitment. Jesus is saying, I'm completely committed to you. That's what my love is like. And, and the implication for us is that our, our love for the church needs to involve a committedness. Not a flightiness, not like, well, you know, I'm here now, but I'm waiting to see, you know, if there's something better comes along. I'm not saying we can never leave a church. I'm not saying people should stay in unhealthy or damaging, you know, environments out of uh, a desire to never, to always be committed to one local church. But I don't think that that is the, the predominant problem among a lot of Christians today. I think our tendency is we lack commitment. We're not married to the church. We date the church. And we're not just like, you know, dating to, to try to make a good decision. We're just like constantly dating for our entire life, you know? We're like that 50-year-old dude that's like still dating and you're like, bro, maybe you should settle down, you know? No, Jesus' love for the church isn't, isn't flighty. It's committed and, and our love needs to be the same way. You know, does... Have, have you taken that step? I don't, I don't know what that step looks like for you. Maybe it's sitting down with the leadership and just saying, you know what? I want, I want to be all in. Maybe it's taking a step to really participate in relationships and in a small group. Maybe it's, maybe it's a decision. You know what? We kind of just like show up whenever it's convenient, but we see in God's word this call to keep gathering with God's people. We, we want to be we want to show our commitment by really being present when God's people gather. Whether that's membership or whatever, whatever that step looks like for you, I want to encourage you, loving the church like Jesus does involves commitment. What's that step look like for you? Fourth and, and final thing that I see in this passage about what it means to love the church like Jesus, number four, it means keeping the end in view. Verse 27. It tells us what Jesus sees as the ultimate outcome of his love for the church. One day, he will present us to himself in splendor. Without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. So picture that. The people of God from every generation no longer marked by our sin and our failure, but fully cleansed by the work of Jesus. And, and so think about how Jesus loves the church. He sees what we're becoming. He sees 
the final result of his love and grace in our lives. Don't you love it when people love you like that? Where they don't just see where you are. They don't just see, oh, you know what? They put you in this kind of box of this is who you are. These are your mistakes and you're just always there. The people that I'm so grateful for in my life are the people who love me and they see what I'm becoming by the grace of God. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? And that's the way that Jesus views the church. He's doing this work. He's aware of the dirt. He's aware of our failure, but he's committed to us and he's doing all this because he sees the end and the end result is his people gathered from every nation and every tribe and every tongue from every generation, cleansed and in splendor, no longer shamed, no longer rejected, standing before him, worshiping before him, and he sees what we're becoming. That's how he loves us. He sees us as holy and blameless. Listen to these words from the book of Revelation, chapter seven, verses nine and 10. This is the vision that Jesus sees. This is the reality that he knows we're headed toward. It says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. When you are tempted to only see the weakness when participation in the local church just feels mundane and here we go again and I'm sitting in a small group and I don't even really like these people and they have all these problems. At least my problems are good problems. Their problems stink, right? (laughs) And I have to serve again and why are we even doing this? And I hate this song. Why do we always sing this one? You just need to, you need to step back. And you need to remember what Jesus sees. And you need to remember what we are a part of, what every local church is a part of because of the grace of God. That that day is coming, that day of splendor. And right now it's hidden. It breaks, it breaks out in moments and you see it and you, you're captured by the glory of it. But a lot of times, boy, being a part of the church, it's a, it's a humble, seemingly mundane thing. And yet, do you remember where we're headed? Because that's what Jesus sees. He sees us holy and blameless and spotless, clothed in white, worshiping in his presence. We're all sin and death and all our tears have been wiped away. And when you see that end, it gives vision and purpose and meaning to participation and service and commitment in the local church. Friends, I will not sugarcoat the reality Loving the church is not always easy. Loving the church will break your heart. People will let you down. 
Christians will let you down. Leaders won't live up to your expectations. How could they? You'll grow weary. You know, in the past five years, I've walked through my own experience of disillusionment. Walked through a church split, broken relationships, deep personal pain. We don't often talk about that stuff in the church because it's like such a downer, you know? But how many people do you know or you yourself know that you've walked through things in the church that have hurt you? Maybe you have some wounds. Or even know friends that are no longer walking with God and the thing they point to is some painful experience that they had in the church. That's just real life. And we don't have to pretend that away as we talk about loving the church because Jesus doesn't pretend any of that away. He doesn't love a picture perfect church where there are no problems. He loves the church even though we're weak, even though we're in desperate need of redemption, even though we've got all kinds of dirt and all kinds of failure. He comes to us in love and grace and in mercy and he never gives up on us. And I'll be honest with you. My own experience of pain and discouragement no longer being a pastor, there are days I don't feel like going to church. There have been moments when I thought, I just want to take a break. But you know the thing that keeps bringing me back to the church and God's work in the church? It's the fact that Jesus has not given up on the church. He's still loving us. He's still pursuing us and he's never going to stop. And so how can I, how can I be indifferent? How can I turn my back? How can I be apathetic? When Jesus, the only one who has a right to stop loving the church, never stops loving the church. I want to be like him. I want to love the way he loves. I want to have his heart. And his heart for the church is a heart of love self-sacrificing, committed love that sees the end in view.